Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. And we're back. Welcome to Bleacher Brawls. It's your boy. It's me. It's Barnes. I am joined tonight with Cassim, Joey, and the old man Jones of the crew, Patrick, who's actually only 25. We don't want to, you know, we've been saying that he's like 80 and he's like geriatric and, you know, Taylor kind of pushes him around in a wheelchair. Uh, but Patrick, I'll start with you. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, good. Uh, good to join you guys on the Wednesday show. It has been basically since like the season that I've been on a Wednesday show. So good to talk to you all and, and good to see you. I do have a bit of a gripe, so I hate to start the show with a gripe. Um, but I challenged uh, Luke the other day to a brawl on Twitter and he has not responded to me yet. So I don't know, maybe if he's conceding or if he knows he'll lose or what. But the other day, he tweets out something along the lines of, why is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood such a crappy movie? And listen, I'm not trying to be a, a Quentin Tarantino fanboy up in here, but that's objectively wrong, uh, along with uh, many of Luke's other opinions. And so I challenged him <laughs> to a brawl, and I have heard nothing from him. So I'm ready, okay? I've seen the book. I, excuse me, I've seen the movie a couple of times. I've read the book. I'm ready to go. I don't, I don't even need to research this puppy. So, Luke, when you're ready, I'm ready. Luke, you're getting called out, son, by our very own Patrick. And I know Joey is also a big movie buff himself. Joey, do you want to weigh in on this at all and just be like, Luke, you're you're wrong here? Oh, Luke. yeah. I feel like Luke has had bad movie takes before. I was actually looking through my Twitter feed to see if I could find it. I think he said something about like the Godfather not being good or like, like some, like, yeah, I think I've seen him write stuff like that before. He's a, he's a, 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 a mischievous contrarian. You know, he likes to, he likes to come up with takes that will uh, sound contrary to popular belief, but once upon a time in Hollywood's a good movie. One of the last movies I saw in theaters. Um, very good. Like actually like a movie movie, like a real like something you don't get very often was like, wow, this is like, this is a classic right here. I'm watching in the theater, something, something really great. So yeah, Luke's wrong. Pretty, pretty, tip, pretty typical. Um, and he's actually texting me right now to yell at me. So uh, yeah. And there it, again, there it is again. The Merchant of Lies strikes again. Uh, Joey, I have a quick question for you. In your room, did you make the mega bed or did you leave it as two separate beds? So... <clears throat> The mega bed is in pro is in progress. We just don't have a topper yet to to do it. So I need a topper in order to do the mega bed. Uh, <laughs> All right, fair. One enough. problem this is, is just if like I do the, the most mega like eighteen year 
time. <laughs> problem is, if I, if I move the mega bed, I put it in the middle. People told me I look crazy if I put the bed just in the middle of the room. You do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's kind of the only way it works because I have to move the dresser. Like, if I, I might put it down as a couch. But it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. I have some girls I know that are like uh, architecture majors. Um, so I'm going to invite them in to like, uh, check out my room and see if they get interior decorated for me properly. Yeah, they'll be interior. They'll be doing the interior decorating. All right. Oh, tell me where to put the furniture, <laughs> move the beds, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, but that, that's what's, that's what's going on right now. Uh, but I'm very happy to be, uh, you know, have, have some, some privacy. Right? I mean, listen, like in the nursing home, Pat lives in, I mean, he has, he's at, you know, you have roommates. <laughs> So you know, I know he's very jealous of me, but yeah, that's that's what I have going on now. So all that being said, Cassim, how's the baby? How are you? I'm doing good, man. The baby just turned three months yesterday, so he's growing day by day, man. He's healthy. That's all I care about. Um, well, let's say here. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I'm pissed off Burrow lost. There's nothing really on. <laughs> so I gotta wait. I gotta wait till the last month of February when spring training games start. Oh, absolutely! I think we're all eagerly awaiting that time. Yeah. I know I am. So I'm very excited for baseball to be here, be back, and I literally, oh if you're listening, so are you. <laughs> right. You can't see it now, but Cassim literally looks like he's about to like blow, like ram his head into the wall right now. So we need <laughs> baseball back for literally Cassim's health. Six months, um, seven months. So uh, on today's episode, uh, we're I'm just going to break it down real quick. Is uh, we're actually going to review the trades from last episode that Patrick hosted with Luke and John, executing trades with Derek, who played the role of a random GM. So we're going to kind of evaluate those trades from a fan perspective. So I'm going to ask those guys. We're going to evaluate those trades from a fan point of view. Uh, we're also going to just we posted a Twitter poll. Uh, we're going to address that, like who's going to win the World Series next between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit, little bit about the MLB schedule and how that's kind of shifting and what that means for the rivalry. Uh, we got a little Joey's Woes segment, and if we get to it, we're going to do a little, uh, little game here, a little draft game. So, kicking us off, we're going to evaluate the trades from the last episode. Where you can put it in the chat, appreciate. It. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, yeah, I'll take care of that. I'll put that in the. Uh... Okay. Let me do that right here, right now. With the power of editing, I can edit all this crap out. Uh, Joey, you live by yourself, man. What you got a hoodie on for? <laughs> he's, he's just ashamed. <laughs> I, I, I'm ashamed, number one. I was trying to look like Pat. Oh, God. Pat, Pat kind of kind of has like the Unabomber thing going with the hat and the mega bed. And the sweatshirt he just needs the sunglasses. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So uh, we're actually going to take a look at the trades from the last episode. Uh, John got to pretend to be the Brian Cashman. He got to be the GM of the Yankees. And Derek played the role of a various uh, GM from another team. Uh, in the first trade, John suggested trading to get Corbin Burns, who I know Cassim is a huge fan of. So in that episode, you make sure you take a listen to it to hear how the negotiations went. But ultimately, what was decided was uh, the Yankees would get uh, Corbin Burns and Joel uh, Piamps, and they had to trade away Anthony Volpe, Oswaldo Cabrera, Ron Marinaccio, Frankie Montas, Carson Coleman, and Brendan Beck. 
So, Kasim, as a Yankees fan, if the Yankees were to pull off this trade, how would you be reacting? Well, I'll be ex- uh, first thing, I'll be ecstatic that we got Burns, but Joe Pompey, I never heard of him, honestly. That's a lot of guys, but I, I totally understand. Yeah, it's a lot of guys. I, I've never heard of that other guy either. He, I think he was just literally the packing peanut. He, he was just a filler. Yeah, yeah he's I like mean, the 40th man on the 40th man roster. Yeah, well, that explains it. Uh, no, I'll be ecstatic. Uh, they are giving up a lot of pieces to the roster. I'm looking for more prospects and maybe a, one player out of the uh, – I'd I'd switch. I'd keep Volpe and put Peraza. I'll keep Cabrera also, and I'll give him something else. So that's like, how can I say it? that's kind of too much? But and this is coming from the guy who hates prospects. So yeah, you heard it here first from the guy who's like, I don't want to say anti-prospect. You you like yeah. using them as leveraged pieces leverage. in trades, and but you feel like this trade is. Too like almost too high stakes. Yeah, I mean, like I I love the acquisition, but it's just man, that's they're taking almost four guys from the from the roster. They leave a lot of holes. That's the way I'm looking at it. Now is, gonna, they are going to ask for Volpe. I, I I would know that for sure. Now I guess my my question here to you is, ultimately, do you think giving up these guys and getting Corbin Burns does Corbin Burns help us get over that Houston Astros hump? Well, yeah, of course. Um, Burns, uh, Burns, and Cole with Rondon, uh, Severino. Yeah, it'd get us over the hump. Uh, I would do one thing: the way I give up all these guys, if they give me Willie Adams, and Willie Adams will be our shortstop, and you give me Devin Williams, the closer. Ooh, and they, you could even they can even add a couple of more pieces, like from the minor league system. I would do it in a heartbeat if they give me Willie Adamas and they give me Devin Williams. So you really you're not losing you're not losing another shortstop. You're not losing uh you give me a starting pitcher, an ace for number two behind Cole, you give me a shortstop, and you give me our closer in Devin Williams. That would make sense. All right. That's the that's the evaluation of the first trade. I I agree. I think adding in Adamas and Devin Williams to that trade from the Brewer side going to the Yankees, I think you would still need to give a Volpe and Cabrera. I think that's what you're saying. Um, I get it. I would love to get Devin Williams. I think he's great. I think it'd be an awesome, like actual legitimate closer that the mm-hmm. Yankees need that I feel like they're missing. So uh, let's scoot on over to the Red Sox side, get these guys involved. Uh, the first one was Luke suggested trading to get Ahmed Rosario on the Red Sox. And the way that uh, trade panned out was the Red Sox wound up giving up uh Brainer Bonacci Chris Murphy, Gilberto Jimenez, and Bradley Blaylock. Uh, I'll go. I'll start with Patrick first on this one, and then we'll go over to Joey. From a fan's perspective, if this happens for the Red Sox at the for the you know during spring training, and next thing you know, Ahmed Rosario is the day one shortstop or middle infielder, second base, wherever for the Red Sox. How are you? How are you going to react? Um, interesting to be on the show with you guys this week. Cause you know, I kind of kept my mouth shut on Sunday. I, I poked my head in here and here and there, but if I'm being totally honest, um, I didn't like any of the trades that they talked about on Sunday. I felt like for, for both teams, it was, um, 
too much. It was a little too high stakes, I think. Um, like to quickly uh, address the Yankees thing. In my mind, if you have Carlos Rodon doing what he's done the past two years, I don't think that you need a Corbin Burns. I'm sure you guys disagree and you're getting really frustrated by the Astros thing. And I, I understand that. But what you need is three guys when you get to the playoffs. You need a three-man rotation. And I will take a Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez rotation. I will. And, and with some of those guys coming out of the pen, backing them up, giving them some innings. Um, I look Cortez more than I should. And I feel like that is – I feel like you made that upgrade in Rodon. And so to, to leverage a lot of the future on, you know – a, a guy that you have for two years, I, I don't see it as much. I feel similarly for the Red Sox side of things. Um, I don't, I don't need Ahmed Rosario. I don't um, I, take him or leave him. Uh, now I've made it clear that I'm a, a particular Brainer Bonacci fan. Um, spent a lot of time watching him on the Salem Red Sox last year, and um, you know, for the Yankees guys here. My, my very quick assessment of Brainer is that he's really freaking good or, you know, is for 19 and single A or whatever, right? But he's position blocked because he's like the fourth best shortstop in his level of, of the minors, right? Like he's got Ensign Paulino, he's got um, uh, Marcelo Meyer, right? Like he's playing second base because there's, there's nowhere to put him. He would be a, a really interesting prospect on other teams. And that's because we're at this point now, the Red Sox are where we're a year slash two into, into the Heim plan. And that means that all the guys that we've acquired are in the lower level of the minors, right? Another year or two, these guys will be the AAA guys, the, the 40th man on the roster guys, like we were talking about earlier. And I would like to give it some more time, I think. Um, I want to see more from Brainer. Uh, other than, you know, single A before we ship them off for a guy that I don't feel like we need. I don't feel like puts us over any hump. Like this is a team that like, I, I hope we make the playoffs. That'd be cool. I hope we get the third wild card spot. I think that's a good goal, right? For, for 2023. I don't need to, to really go much further. We're not going to win the world series this year. I'm okay with that. I think more people need to accept that. And like moves like this are not gonna, are not going to move the needle. And so I'd like to hold on to these guys that I find interesting. So thank you for the input, friend. That is the wisdom of an ancient man. But moving over to Joey, is, and I know, Joey, you're a big proponent of you still got to put out a good product on the field. You want to have an entertaining product and a professional level product. You want to have the tryouts like they were having last spring. You know, and like rolling out into, oh, we have a pretty good team. Oh, we're we're not that good. Oh, we're pretty good. Oh, we're not that good. And then in, you know, September, the Red Sox were literally just, it looked like they had like high schoolers out there. Like, oh, just let's see what the, let's see what they got. So would you want to move these young guys to get Ahmed Rosario, who's a, like a proven commodity at the MLB level? Like what's your evaluation of the trade from a fan perspective? Well, you know, I really didn't like any of the trades to, to agree with, to agree with Pat. Uh, I don't see Ahmed Rosario as like, oh, great. Like he'll be here for a year. Like we're not going to keep him. It's too much uh, roadblocking in the, in the middle infield anyway. But um, I, I'm cool with giving up most of those guys. I mean, like, I feel like we fawn over these like 19 and 20 year olds. Uh, 
who like oftentimes don't end up working out. Uh, so, I mean, I do generally like think it's good when you're in a position to win to just dump some of those guys while they have value and pick up someone who's you know, maybe 32 and has some experience or whatever. Right. And I think it's, I think it's a really good, I think it's a good move. I just wouldn't give up Chris Murphy. Like would I give up some of those low A guys? Yeah. Cause I feel like those guys are easy to replace, right. It's easy to replace in the draft next year, like a Brainer Bonacci or whatever his name is. Uh, than it is to get like a guy who's a 290 hitting shortstop. But I, I wouldn't make the move. And I thought the Yankees move with the, with uh, the Twins. I mean, not the Twins, with uh, Milwaukee's like insane. Like if Milwaukee trades Corbin Burns, like they're insane. Like they, they he is still his team control. He's like one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like I, I wouldn't give him up for anything that's not in the majors or like about to be in the majors right now. Uh, so, yeah. I think the problem, Joey, is that like, these guys, these high A guys, they don't really have any trade value. Like we don't see a ton of trades that in, involve guys from single A. And, and, and if you do that, you're not going to get um, a guy who hits 290. Like you're just not like teams don't care about the single A guys as much anymore. I think like when, when I say give these guys some time, hold on to them for a while. It's not because I eventually want them to be on the major league roster. It's, I want them to retain some more value. I want them to make it to double A slash triple A and do well there and, and then be enticing. Brainerd Bonacci, although I really like watching him play, he's probably like the 11th best shortstop in the system at the end of the day, right? He's, he's not going to be at any point the starting shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, but right now he needs to be in a package with three other people to be worth anything. Yeah. And I, I generally agree with that. That's like, I, I'm not for trading these guys per se. I just, I, I see if you're going to give me a situation where it's like two or three of those guys for a guy that's, you know, a, a, an above average hitter at his position, like an above replacement type player. Like I'm going to see the value in that player more, but just, just like what you said, because Brainerd Bonacci will never be the starting shortstop of the Boston Red Sox. You know, I mean, Chris Murphy, I could see contributing, but the rest of those guys, I don't ever see contributing. So, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like, yeah, save them till you have more value and when it matters. And that's why they used to trade. Like, you know, next year, if, if big brainer, you know, is up in double a hitting, hitting, hitting brain bombs, right? Like, yeah, that's great. And then we can trade them for like we do with Schwarber. We traded that uh, scrub for Schwarber and it was like a joke and they got totally screwed. Like I I'm totally okay with that. Uh, but uh, I do see the value in like a guy that's legit, a legit now guy above average player versus three people that are literally my age right we know how much we know how much of a joke it is to be my age so oh we definitely do we definitely know how much of a joke it is to be your age but uh kind of sticking with the shortstop theme is going back to the yankee side uh john suggested trading to get left fielder jake mccarthy from the arizona diamondbacks and in that package it would have uh the Yankees would have had to give up Oswald Peraza and Clayton Beater. Uh, Kasim, how do you feel about, you know, Oswald Peraza kind of came up, you know, um, August, September time for the Yankees was a little bit of a spark plug, really good defensively, but offensively he couldn't really produce at the plate. And at the end of the day, he might be like the fourth, third or fourth best, you know, shortstop on the Yankees roster, not even in the whole organization, but on the New York Yankees active roster mm -hmm. is how do you feel about giving up Peraza and Clayton beater? Who's in the minors to get Jake McCarthy to play left field. Cause we know the left field concerns we have. Yeah. 
I don't know nothing about Clayton Beater, but Jake McCarthy. No, I'm not doing this trade at all. I'd go the cheaper route. And I I think I, I think I told you guys before, if you're not trading for Max Kepler, you should get Austin Meadows. And if you're not doing that, then if you're uh, not doing that, you should let Floreal play. Uh, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jake McCarthy is going to cost a lot. Like a guy from Arizona that I would really like Barnes, and he just got traded as uh, Lourdes, uh, Gardiel, uh Gary L. Jr. That's the guy I would want from that team. Yeah. But it won't cost you Peraza. But Gary L. Jr. is a guy, like if I look at besides Austin Meadows and Max Kepler, Gary L. Jr. would be the guy that I would want, not this guy. Not this scrub. So Because uh, the way I look at it, Gary L. played in the American League East. So he, he played in he played against New York. He knows what it's like to face those people and uh, face the, the opponents in the American League East. So they know how tough it is. Now, McCarthy, I don't know. They say he has an arm. They say he has a bat. I don't, I'm, I don't know much about him. He just, he just has this high value. But I, he's a type of person, uh, a player that I don't think could cut it in New York. I think Guriel Jr., if I'm looking at somebody from Arizona, would be him. Yeah, so Jake McCarthy in, in uh, 2022, um, he had 99 games played, hit 283, mm-hmm. uh, 91 hits, 43 RBIs, you know, 23 walks. Mm-hmm. Not too shabby, you know, he's not anything super special, but he's way better than probably what yeah i'd say he's way better than what we have right now yeah yeah of course you know i i think that's an upgrade but i do think it's a little expensive i agree with you so yeah. i from a yankees fan perspective i'm i'm pretty mad that we gave up peraza for this guy when you probably could have given up less and gotten a max kepler or a meadow so i agree with yeah. you i agree um and then sliding over to the last trade that the, that happened on the other episode was uh, Luke wanted to go out and get Merrill Kelly from the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks were were pretty active. And I'm already looking now. Patrick and Joey are both shaking their head. I'm going to start with Joey on this one first. Is uh, Luke and Derek from the Diamondbacks, they agreed on the trade. It was Merrill Kelly and Juan Corniel heading to Boston. And then Nick Pavetta, Edison Paulino, Nick York, and... Uh, conditionally was uh, Tyler McDonough. So he may or may not be involved in that trade, but it was those three for those two. Uh, Joey, what's the deal here? You like, you initially shook your head. You're like, what the heck is, what are we doing with Merrill Kelly? Yeah. It's like, what is Lucas, what is Lucas doing? Like we, we have enough of those type guys in our rotation. Like, again, it's like Merrill Kelly. I don't even think like, moves the needle that much and he just creates more buildup in our in our rotation which already has a ton of depth where we already need to trade guys so if we're not trading depth of our rotation to get him i don't really see the point and i i'm telling you, you know i know i gave luke this i know i gave nuke this uh luke this new name the merchant of lies i you know which i said in the heat of the moment but i'm gonna have to give derek some credit i'm gonna start calling derek the merchant of venice because he took a pound of flesh from luke <laughs> I mean, what a great negotiator, Derek McGuire. I, I had no idea he could negotiate that well. He was totally, he totally fleeced Luke. It's a great deal for Arizona because it makes no sense to have Merrill Kelly on that team. It's not competing. And to get like that amount of like pretty good prospects. I mean, 
Nick York has an excellent hit tool. I mean, he's a legit, you know, could be a star one day. So great deal by Derek. Props to him. Cut the pound of flesh right off Luke. So all of this being said, not only did Luke get reamed at the beginning of the episode for his bad take on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but Patrick, are you going to hand it to Luke again right now on this trade? Yeah, this sucks. I mean, this was like, I I was like, I'm just going to watch the end of the, the, the Bengals-Chiefs game uh, because, number one, you, you lost me to Edinson Pauline, though. Um, Eddie's at the same level that, that Brainer is. Um, same level that Marcelo Myers, same level that Blaze Jordan is, right? They, they have the, the best, I think the best infield in single A, probably. Um, but this is a guy who I think uh, is going to be, people are really excited about Sidene Raffaella. I think it's very possible that Edinson is the new Sidene Raffaella in the Red Sox system. And I think Derek agrees with me and, and knows that. And we're probably going to be talking about that on a pod sometime soon. Um and so I think that alone, he fleeced Luke. Um, you throw in Nick York. I'm not as crazy about Joe. It uh, seems like Joey is more than I am. But it's very clear that um, I, I'm on the Pavetta train. I, I mean, I think that Merrill Kelly is barely better, better than Pavetta. And I think that he, uh, I think Pavetta has a higher ceiling. Um, so just, I mean, just like one of these pieces, I think is crappy. All of them, it's bad. And, uh, you know, Arizona is going to have the best team ever in 2026. So I used to give Derek a lot of crap for liking really average players. But so Derek, I'm with Joey here. You're the man. Luke, you're the new, you love average players. You are so in love with Nick Pavetta. Oh, he's the ace. And now you want to deal your old ace to get Merrill Kelly. He got Luke. rid of eight guys for Ahmed Rosario and Merrill Kelly. Like, just for us to still win 87 like, games. I mean, like, like, oh, man. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, kind of tying, like, this conversation together is um, we're actually going to jump to the MLB schedule. I want to talk a little bit about that a little bit later, but let's let's hit it now because, you know, Patrick just alluded to it. Hey, like, why are we going to like? Obviously, those trades were made up. We literally made them up. They they got to pretend and be in fantasy land and have their good time. But the reality of things is, yeah, even with that trade, the Red Sox are going to win what mid eighties games, and even with this new schedule where they're kind of evening out, like playing all the teams. I kind of wanted to see how you guys thought about that initially, because my initial look was I saw the schedule and the very first game that the Yankees and Red Sox play against each other is June 9th. There's two months of baseball before the rivalry that we are covering happens. So I'll start with Kasim first. Like, I just want to get your overall opinion on, the layout of the schedule and like kind of evening out the games. Cause you know, we, we shared a few things offline, but I want to hear those thoughts here. Yeah, sure. I just like to say, Derek, you'd be my new GM and Luke, you'd be fired after the first trade. That's all I got to say. My man. <laughs> As for the MLB schedule, I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. It's changed. We're not playing the same teams in the same division 19 times. Thank God. Uh, it's changed now. So what I like about the balanced schedule is you get to play other teams from other divisions. And uh, 
you know, like for instance, the Yankees, they don't play Boston until June 9, but the Yankees open up on opening day versus the San Francisco Giants. So that's something I like to see. Like long time ago, back in the 90s, when I was from all the way like 90, before the schedule changed, like I remember the Yankees used to come twice to Tiger Stadium or Comerica Park. Uh, they don't have that no more, but you know, that's the way the schedule was. But I'm glad they cut it to, I think, 13 times they play against each other at 12. Uh, it just gives you opportunity wherever you live to see other teams come to, uh, you know, to the stadium. And it kind of just opens up for everybody to see just different teams. So you have to see the same team 19 times. And it actually, it actually, it could actually help out in the standings. That's the way I look at it. So all of that being said is uh, Patrick, what's your initial reaction to the kind of like what, your reaction to Cassim, really? Like, is it going to help teams like within the standings? Is it does it get boring watching your team play the same teams over again? I have very mixed feelings on it. Like, my gut reaction is like, good, give me the hell out of the AL East. Like, I don't want to play any of these teams nineteen times. Thirteen is bad enough. Like, I will take those twenty-four games back, right? But where do you put them? You put them with. Uh, San Diego, who we didn't play before and now have to play, and I'm not crazy about, right? You have to put it with Texas, who, you know, I don't think they're going to do as much as they think they're going to do, but still don't want to play them, you know, an extra series or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you, you get the idea. I don't actually think there's an extra series against Texas, but you get my point, right? Um, you're, you're putting them in places that I, I don't really want to put them, you know? Um, I'm not trying to play Atlanta. That sucks. Uh, and so it, it's complicated. So how I'm trying to resolve it is that I get to go to new stadiums this year because, you know, living in Baltimore, like we used to get three Red Sox series a year and it was like, okay, let me pencil these in and, um, and uh, make sure that I'm there. We went to, you know, Barnes, you talked about this in your episode with Taylor. We went to 34 games last year. And I think like 20 of them were at Camden. Um, it's a lot. Um, which is cool. Like we're going to go to Philly this year. We get to a series in DC this year. So like, I like that part of it. I like the fact that everybody plays everybody. I think that's cool, but also like there's no history between the Boston Red Sox and the Cincinnati Reds. Like who cares about that game? It's a, it's a waste of time. Like we, you know, we don't get to play the Yankees till June because we're busy playing Milwaukee who, you know, just fleeced us in a trade. Yeah, so Joey, that being said, Patrick hits a, a great point here. There's no history between some of these teams playing each other. Like, who the hell cares that you're playing the the San Diego Padres as the as the Boston Red Sox? Like, would you prefer playing the Yankees a couple extra games? You know, playing the Orioles an extra couple games, or do you want to play those new teams? Like, do you want to see what's out there? Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, do I want to see what's out there? Explore? Uh, not really. Like, uh, I think in a statistical way, it will wor work out better for the Red Sox because the AL East is so difficult. But for me, when I watch a game and I see it's Red Sox, Rays, Red Sox, Blue Jays, like I'm instantly like interested because there's drama there. We're division rivals, right? There's going to be less division games, which means – you know, there's going to be less games where you're one up when you're one game up on someone and you can knock them down yourself, right? Uh, so you have like less of your, you have less control of your of your destiny. Um, 
I'm also sad because I'll get to see less Orioles games with with uh, with Pat. You know, I, I I miss hanging out with Pat so much, and now I won't be able to get to the Orioles stadium with them anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I'm totally against it, just philosophically. Sense of history. We need to play the Red Sox and the Yankees as much as possible. We need to play our division opponents. That's the way it's meant to be. That's the way it's always been. And they should stop changing it. But I think, like, statistically, it will be good for the Red Sox. Like, I'm happy about that. But I, I don't care. Like, we, when we play, uh, like, this, the Reds or the, or the uh, whatever, the Diamondbacks, don't care. Like, Destiny's not going to line up. I mean, it's interesting, at least, when it's a team that's good in the NL, like the Dodgers or the Padres, because maybe we could see them in the playoffs. Or there's some guy we want to see play us and like, you know, oh, what will Tatis do against the Red Sox? Like, I guess that's good. But like, it's going to be a lot of scrubby teams that I don't care about. And I don't pay attention to like, one of the best things about playing all the ALS teams so much is that you begin to know them, right? Just like how I know the Red Sox. I know the Yankees very intimately. I know the Orioles very intimately. I know the Blue Jays very intimately. But I cannot be intimate with all 30 teams. You know, I, I know I know my five teams that I can be intimate with, but the rest, you know, that's I'm not gonna be able to keep track. Like I don't know what Arizona, I don't know what Arizona looks like, right? But I do know what the Rays look like. So I think that kind of ruins the intelligence of the fan experience, right? By going, okay, we played these guys last time. I saw what they did. Here we go again. It kind of makes everything fresh. So Joey, Joey and Patrick both hit a really good point is that it's going to help the, the Red Sox, you know, in the division because the Red Sox couldn't win a division game until a division series until whenever, like, I don't even remember what point, you know, Doug was saying that it was a huge downfall for the Red Sox. Like, Hey, you can't win a division series. You're not going to have success. We all saw how that worked out. So it's like, Hey, like, you can increase your record by playing these scrubby dubby teams. And is it going to throw off the playoffs? Like, is it going to have any effect on that? And then also kind of piggybacking off of it is what do you think the standings are going to look like when the Yankees are play the Red Sox on June 9th? Like what, what do you think the landslide would look like? Uh, Kasim, I'll start with you here. Uh, how would it look by the time June 9 rolls around two months into the season? Hmm. Well, I'll say Yankees number one, Blue Jays two, Rays, uh, Rays three, Orioles four, and the Red Sox five. Sorry. I actually want the Orioles to be better than the Rays, but that's kind of hard knowing how the Rays are. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, how do you think the, the standings are going to look like in the AL East by come June 9th? I hate to immediately dismiss your question, but with, with the change in the schedule, I don't really think I care about the division standings anymore between how many playoff spots there are with how many wildcard spots and you're playing the division. It just means less and less, I think. On, on the flip side, I think you're going to have an improved record because you get to beat up on Cincinnati, right? But you get to beat up on Miami. You get beat up on, on, on the Nats, who are going to be disgustingly terrible this year. But it's fool's gold, you know? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think I could beat the Nats. I think, I think we could beat the Nats. Right. <laughs> um, and so it, it's just kind of like, 
maybe it might not check out that way. You know, we could be looking at a second and third in the division by we by the time we get to June 9th, you know, but by doing what? So Joey, before I get to you is, and Pat, Pat says that this is like fool's gold. And then anyone else who wants to jump in on this, but I want to hit Joey first is, you know, does it devalue these division games? Like obviously, you know, the way that the playoffs are shaping out, there's more playoff spots. You know, if you win your division, you're in, and then it's like, all right, cool. The next couple teams trickle in as well. So you kind of just need to have a better record, but does it take away from the fact that like, Oh, dude, we know we have 19 games lined up with the Orioles and they're on our heels. This is their chance to gain some ground. Like, does it like, do you feel like we're, we're going to miss out on some of those races and those tight competitions? Yeah, we're becoming the NBA, you know, we're like, everyone's, everyone's making the playoffs. No one, no one cares. No one like the fact that before you could basically control your own destiny is waning. The less games you play against your division opponents, the less and less you control your own destiny, right? This also stops teams from, you know, very exciting stuff at the end of the year when you play a series against a division rival and, you know, you sweep them, right? And now you're in first place. Like, that's going to happen less now. Um, And this is also just – I think it's going to be rough. I think it's going to be rough for fans who – are used to, I mean, especially the Red Sox. I mean, I think it's going to be bad for revenue, number one, right? Because who? what's going to sell better, right? Red Sox, Reds, or Red Sox, Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays. Like, when I go to a game, I like to make sure that I can go and see a division rival like someone I care about, right? Um, bad news for the AL Central. I mean, it's terrible news for those bad divisions in baseball, like the AL Central, who are just going to get beat up on um but i also think you know this we could see this year because of these new schedules maybe a 500 team win a division like this happens in the nfl now i mean that's what brady did right he won when he had a losing record you could see teams in these really really bad divisions creeping around that now because they're going to be getting beat up on a lot more by big teams in the al east because remember the al east is you know that's the division when you talk about baseball, and players say this all the time, there's nothing like playing in the AL East, Red Sox, Yankees. I mean, there's nothing like it. Um, the NL West is pretty good. But the rest of baseball, like, it's not that level. So it's going to be very interesting to see whether you see a sub-500 or hovering around 500 team win a whole division next year. Anyone want to tag in on this? Yeah, I'll say my last one. I, I feel like we're going to see some teams that – aren't as good as we think they are, get whooped. I think that Cleveland is going to show their true colors. I like Cleveland. I, I think they have a good team. There are a lot of people on the team that, you know, really excite me. But, you know, when, when the Dodgers come to town and the Padres come to town and the Braves come to town and the Mets come to town, they're getting whooped. I mean, they just are. They're not going to be any of those teams. Um, and I think you're going to see what Joe's talking about. I mean, we're at the point in the NBA now where – with this play-in tournament, you get teams under 500 <laughs> making the playoffs. Um, and I don't know if I'd go that far just because the baseball season is so long. But I think you're going you're gonna to see a couple of these Seattle. They're, I, they're not going to have as many wins this year. They're just not. What do you don't see in Seattle that a lot of other people see in them? Um, six less times that they get to beat up on the Oakland A's. 
Let me give you a little heads up, uh, Patrick. Seattle's the real deal, and so is Cleveland. So. Just to let you know. No, so I, I agree, but I I don't think I. They are the clearly, I think, the sixth best team, the seventh best team in the league, and then by the time they got to play some legit National League teams, that that just wipes them out. I think. Their pitching staff Pat, legit. <laughs> think of all the times Cleveland and the Twins. And those types of teams won their division. They just got melted in the playoffs instantly. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that 21 now, White Sox team? Instantly. Yeah, out of there. Their inflated records are, are going to be gonna be exposed now. They're, instead of like that 88-win record or 89-win record they'd have because they get to beat up on their division, they're going to be coming with 83, 84. And it's going to be very interesting. That's okay. I disagree, but... Well, you heard it from these guys. They may have they have different opinions. They might agree, might disagree. Who knows? I actually also think that, like Patrick said, like some of these teams are they're going to show their true colors. I don't think that they're they may be as bad as we think they are, but I don't think that they'll be as good as we think they are. Like I really think it's going to give teams that were on the fringe a a real opportunity or a team that you know underperformed last year an opportunity to do pretty well like the Orioles, like the Red Sox, you know, if the Red Sox can stay healthy, they have a decent enough team to compete with a lot of these other guys, you know, like maybe can the Red Sox beat the guardians only time will tell. And I think we're all excited for baseball season to start to really see where that is. But uh, moving on, we posted a, a poll on our Twitter the other day. And the question was, between the two teams, the the Yankees and the Red Sox, who's going to win the World Series next between the two of them? Um, we got the poll results back. 58% of the people said that the Red Sox were going to win the World Series before the Yankees. And I just got to see where we're at with this. Uh, we're going to start with the Red Sox side. Uh, we'll go Joey, then we'll go Cass and Patrick, and then me. So we'll go Red Sox, Yanks, Red Sox, Yanks. Who's going to win first and why? Joey, you're up. So I'm going to say the Red Sox, yeah, just because the Yankees, they have to prove something. They have to prove something. They've been winning, you know, 90-plus games. They've made the playoffs almost every year for like 10 or 15 years. They have constant success. They just can't ever do it, right? And the one thing the Red Sox have over the Yankees right now is that they're consistently inconsistent. The Red Sox can be bad for a few years and then go become good again and win. So, you know, they're going to have, the Yankees are going to have to prove to be number one that they can get to the World Series because they haven't beat the Red Sox in a playoff series in my entire lifetime since I was born, right? And number two, they're going to have to somehow win, you know, have that season where they win 100 games and still go all the way. And they haven't done that yet. I mean, when was the last time they were in a World Series? That was 09, I think. I don't think they've been to a World Series since 09. They haven't even gone to the show, right? So I'm going to say the Red Sox be looking good in 2024, 2025. Red Sox are on the upswing. Yankees, to me, on the downswing. Eventually, those contracts are going to come home to roost. Judge, I don't think that's going to end up being a great contract. Stanton, I think it's almost already a bad contract. And Cole, you know, he's a good pitcher and all. Not a playoff pitcher, baby. No Kurt Schilling. Cassim. Are you going to take this from Joey right now? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. 
what the heck do you see in the Red Sox that everybody else sees? Listen, Joey, since you're a young guy and us old veterans will help you out. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees are much closer to a World Series than you even think. Red Sox have nobody. And I'll be honest with you. Yes, the judge contract, nine years. But the way I look at it, Joey, I'm not looking at the length of the contract. I'm looking at it as got a nine-year contract i'm looking at four or five years four or five as long as they can get as long as he's productive as long as they get a world series in those four or five years i'm happy yes we haven't been to a world series since 09 but we got close but you know you got to go through a trial in order to get there but the astros are still team to beat you still got to go through them but are we there yeah i think we're there we just got to find a way to get over the hump and the astros are the hump we got to get over them but the Red Sox are in no position to freaking even sniff, not even the World Series, not even sniffing the playoffs. Let's just sit here and be honest about it. So, so Kasim, and I, I, I just have to tell you this. I don't yeah. think the Red Sox are going to win the World Series this year. I know. I just know the Yankees aren't. <laughs> right? And I think, I think, you know, the Red Sox are going to do less losing than the Yankees overall. It's not that I think the Red Sox are winning this year. I just think they have, at some point, a better chance of winning. Right. I'm going to start calling you Kasim the dream because I think you're coming up with fantasies about the Yankees. The Yankees aren't better this year than they were last year, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't see them making a deep playoff run in the World Series. And I think if you look at the future, Red Sox have a much brighter future than the Yankees. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to do what you usually do, which is maybe win 95 games and screw it up. Right. I need guy. I I have a team that takes it all the way. The Red Sox go all the way when they mean it. You know, we're picky with when we want to win, but once we decide the year we want to win, we go all the way and we take it home. The Yankees can't do that. So, Cassim, you have to prove to me at least first that the Yankees are capable of taking one all the way. And I haven't seen that from that team in a very long time. Uh, uh, well, I, I've seen five championships, so I'm actually good, actually. But please tell me what's your future. I just want you to tell me what's your future. And we're going to move on to Patrick to explain the future of the Red Sox. Because otherwise, Kasim and someone's got to help me here. Kasim, the dream, and Joey are going to be going at it for another three hours. And that's what we love here at Bleacher Brawls. But we got to let the old man speak because he doesn't have a lot of time left. That's when I listen to the Wednesday shows when I walk my dog on, on Thursday mornings. And I am a maniac walking the streets of Baltimore at six o'clock in the morning because I just cackle to myself when you just dismiss people like that. I Listen, I was having some fun in that thread and, and put on the Yankees just because that's what we do here. But I, I don't, uh, Carlos Rodon, I think is a good pickup if he can, if he can do what he's been doing. Right. But otherwise, you're looking at the same team you looked at last year. And uh, that was a team that, you know, had no protection around Aaron Judge, had no leadoff hitter. And I know we're not just talking 2023. We're going we're gonna to talk the first team to be there. Right. I do not think, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I'm not just trying to boo on you guys. I do not think Aaron Boone has the ability to lead a World Series team. I Don't know feel bad, that, Patrick. Don't feel bad. I hate him. <laughs> I know that managers have, have, at least in our perception, less and less to do with um, that, 
right? Sometimes you just have some stupid, I don't know if Dave Roberts is the best manager of all time, but he has an amazing team. And, you know, Joey could, could pencil them in for hundred wins. I think, you know, just build the lineup the way it's supposed to be built and, and you'll win. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but you look at some of the world series winning managers of the past 10 years, the dusty bakers, the Joe Maddens, the Bruce Bochies, um, Tony La Russa 10 years ago. These are great baseball minds. Um, and Aaron Boone is not, Aaron Boone is not that. And I think that they need somebody like that to put them over the edge. And I think as long as he's there, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, Patrick, now it's my turn. And while I agree that Aaron Boone is a freaking bonehead, the guy is not going to hit any brain blasts like Rainer Bonacci. You know, Aaron Boone had his time in the spotlight when he hit a home run one time. Okay, he hit one thing and it was his big claim to fame. Okay, Barnes, I don't want to cut you off, but you are right. Can we address this? I know this is like four-year-old news, but that the fact that he has this job because he hit one home run in 2003, that's yeah, the reason why he has this job. Yeah, it's, it's a little ridiculous. I think it's it was the day I was born. <laughs> it was the day I was born. You were there. You were there. I was there. I was there. I was there. <laughs> Hashtag Joey was there. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't see the Red Sox. Uh, Joey says that his team goes all the way, but they're stingy when they do it. I just don't think that they're going to do it, and I don't think they're going to be ready because of Heim's secret plan. That that secret plan isn't going to happen until 2026. All right, Merchant of Lies, tell me something new. All right, I know you're listening out there, Merchant of Lies, but here's the thing. Aaron Boone isn't the one going out there that has to execute. He's not the one throwing pitches. He's not the one hitting the balls, right? The Yankees have made the moves and they're ready to go. Their window is open. They bring back their best player. They have a core of guys that are going to be huge difference makers, Judge, Stanton, Cole, Rodon, and they're all going to be on the roster for the next five years together at the same time. They're ready to do it within this next five-year plan. Right. I know that, you know, Heim's plan is for like 2037 now. Like it just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And it will never get there, just like how Social Security will never get to Joey. But <laughs> that's why, yeah, I got you, Cassidy. I got you there, buddy. You know, the only person here in this. Pat took all my Social Security. Pat's that, collecting all my Social exactly. Security. Exactly. So. <laughs> I, I just don't think that the Red Sox are going to be ready to do it before the Yankees. That's my reasoning. I think they have a core group of guys that are ready to do it within the next five years. Like I won't lie to you. I'm I'm that type of person, Joey Patrick Barnes. You can't talk to me about what's gonna happen five years from now. I can't. I'm I'm a guy just like prospects. Oh, Volpe is a great talent. Good. He hasn't played no he hasn't even reached triple A yet. But please just I go year to year, man. That's the way I go. As if I'm looking at it now, we're talking about baseball going into this season, 2023, Yankees or Red Sox or anybody. We're there. Red Sox might be rebuilding, trying to look towards the future. But for me, it's about now. That's the way I I go about my business. I don't want to hear about 2027. We got this dang prospect coming from single A. I don't even know who the heck he is. For all I know, you could ship him out for all I care. Another Floreal, get him out of here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so playing Barnes. Well, that's what I am. I'm I'm a year to year base guy. I can't look 
many years down the line. Bards, I, I have no doubt that the Yankees are going to be a good team, right? And that the Yankees can do it. I think the Yankees can do it. I just don't think they, they will. <laughs> they, they can, no, but okay. they won't. This, this, okay. is, this, is, this mean... is my point. They, they've shown a record of just not being able to take it there. So while Heimblum is meticulously planning like a, like a fine watchmaker when the Red Sox will decide to win, We'll decide to go all in, so to say. I think the Yankees are all in every year, and they just lose every year. And I, by the way, talking about the future, I'm not really that confident in the future of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. I really am not. I mean, two injury-prone guys that you have signed to huge contracts, right? And I think they're both on the wrong side of – or they're going to both be on <laughs> the wrong side of 30, if not already on the wrong side of 30, right? So, you know – That's not what I'm up by future. Injuries plus age. I mean, I, I don't see them. I don't see your five years. I see a couple of years. You're going to be really solid. I don't see five years. And I think when you look at the Red Sox, Red Sox are a growth industry, baby. Red Sox are getting better, you know, slowly or not slowly. The Red Sox are getting better. Yankees stagnation, right? No GDP growth with the Yankees, right? It's talking about social security, right? Yankees are going to be, Yankees are going to be so out of it. I mean, they're going to, they, they would have spent so much money by the end of these next five years and have nothing to show for it, that they might as well privatize social security because they're done, right? It's, 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 it's all out. It's gone, right? Uh, Red Sox trending upward, <clears throat> have a history of winning, right? And I know, I know Kasim likes to talk about, he saw five world series, right? And, but Pat's, Pat's seen all eight or nine Red Sox world series. You know, he's that old, right? Taking shots, eh, Pat? You gonna love him? <laughs> yeah whatever he's he's you know the the biggest problem in joey's life is what do i do with my second bet you know all <laughs> that, we're all discussing that as parenthood <laughs> oh man so hey if you're listening to this conversation let us know what you guys think tweet at us at bleacher brawl uh we would love to hear what you think who's going to win the world series next between these two teams Cassim and i think yankees joey and pat think the red sox we want to hear your opinion too. Um, so here we go. Let's move on to the uh, final segment. We're moving on to a little uh, draft game that we usually do here uh, at Bleacher Brawl. Um, this was Joey's suggestion. So coming in, uh, it's an AL East draft. So rules are is you can only draft a player or players currently on AL East team rosters. Uh, you can draft any position at any time, just like anything else. But we're filling out the following five spots. We need to take uh, you need to take a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher. We're going to go two infielders because there's a, just a bunch of infield positions, catcher, first, second, short and third. Um, and then so you can pick any two infielders and then one outfielder. Uh, the order will go. Uh, I hit the randomizer five times. We've got Joey, Kasim, Bar uh, Patrick, then Barnes. I'll go last and then it'll circle back around. Uh, what's up, Patrick? You have a question here. We're we're drafting five spots between four people. We're drafting each person will draft their own five person uh, team. So and right, then let's that was this out then. Yeah, the, the 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 listeners will get to say who uh whose team is the I best. hear you. I thought we were being collaborative. No, 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 no. no. We're, we're, we're not doing this go. collaborative crap. We're competing, we're brawling <laughs> here, baby. Now calling in from a foreign planet. From Heim Bloom's office himself, Joey Shiguri. Uh, 
you actually have the first player in this draft. Who would you like to select? He's actually putting on a nice little act for us right here using this old timey phone. With the first pick, uh, I'm going to select the reigning MVP, Aaron Judge. He switched it up. He's mm-hmm. calling an audible. He's taking Aaron Judge. Cassim, you got number pick number two. Aaron Judge is off the board. Who would you like? I take. Uh, I'm going to go two infielders. Uh, you get. You're going to pick one right now. Oh, right now. Okay, Bobachet. Bo Bichette. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone is, you should see Patrick's face. Everyone, his jaw just hit the table. Patrick, you're up, buddy. Oh my God. I'm going to, uh, pick up, pick up Boston Red Sox player. And I'm going to pick, uh, a generational talent that we luckily signed to a lifetime contract. He'll be a lifer. Mookie Betts. Um, no, uh, Xander Bogarts. <laughs> oh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Rafi Devers. Obviously, I cannot believe he's still on the board. I also okay. cannot believe that he's on the board. And now mm-hmm. he- here it leaves me the last pick in the in the four in the first round. But I get to play the game of I get to double dip because I'll get the fourth in this one and the first in the next one. So I know that this player will never make it back to me. So I have to take him. And I'm also playing the game right now because I'm going to take. Patrick's second favorite player, Adley Rushman, as one of my infielders. Um, I think he's a phenomenal catcher. He might he's going to be the best catcher in the league. Um, because he's better than Joey Bart, who we know <laughs> casts some <Close. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> And then I will take I will take uh Garrett Cole as my starting pitcher. Uh so Patrick, back to you. Yeah, that's a tough one. I was going to, I was, unfortunately, uh, as much as it paid me to say it, I was going to take Cole. So I'm going to go, wow. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going balls out, y'all. Cedric Mullins is my outfielder. Oh, my word. Nice. Cedric Mullins. He lost his mind. <laughs> he's, he's going senile. Cassim, you're on the board. <laughs> I'm on. You're up, you're up, buddy. Okay, Alex Manoa. Alex Manoa off the yep. board. This is getting this is getting crazy. <laughs> Joey, you get two picks now. You've already got your outfielder. Ooh, you got the rating MVP. Where are we going? Well, I'm gonna milk, I, might, I might milk my time on this one. Oh my word! Uh, so first, first I'm gonna go with Big Fatty uh, Vlad Guerrero. All right, Vlad Cassim's Guerrero plan Jr. of choosing the Toronto Blue Jays is out now. Cassim's a closet Blue Jays fan. And then, uh, so we got Vladdy. What other uh, starting pitches of quality are there? That Glassnell guy isn't really doing anything these days because he's injured. Uh, okay, I could. Uh, yeah, I could do that. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring in Wander Franco. Wander Franco. Oh, my word. So, Joey has filled out his infield positions and his outfielder. So, he's got two pitchers to come back in the later rounds. Uh, Kasim, you have Alec Manoa as your starter. You got Bo Bichette in the infield. You can take a reliever, an infielder, or an outfielder. Okay, you're only allowed two infielders, right? Only two infielders, and you already selected one of them. Okay, hold on. 
Well done. You know, there's this really you good third baseman. Program. His name is uh, Josh Donaldson. I know you like him. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say Palapa on the board. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, I got my pitcher. I got my infielder. I need an outfielder. Crap. John Carlos Stanton. Oh, he's going Stanton out in the outfield. I love it. Big power bat. So, Patrick, that leaves you. You're up on the board. You got Devers and Mullins, two of your favorites. I think we've forgotten how good this guy can be. And I think he's going to go unnoticed, and that's why he's here in the third round. Probably, I, I think you could argue, at his best, he's the best pitcher in the division. I'm going Chris Sale as my starter. Oh, Chris Sale as the he'll starter. throw eleven pitches and then he'll never pitch again. But yeah, he'll hit his finger. There'll be eleven really good pitches. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he did make it to the third in this. Um, so I'm here. I don't even. I've I feel like I've had all this time to think about it, but I really just haven't been thinking about it because I was stunned when uh, Alec Manoa went off the board. <laughs> I was I just did not see that coming at all all right so we've got uh man i don't even know what's shocking he's a stud man is he he's a fat stud that's for sure he's a a hell of a pitcher i respect him he's 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 a big pitcher i forgot about i forgot about vlad man i can't believe i forgot about him oh man so here we are i actually like this player a lot i like the way this player plays um I think he's due for a big breakout season with the Boston Red Sox. I'm going to take Alex Verdugo in the outfield. Um, I, I I just think that he's good. I think he's going to break out, especially with the, the banning of the shift. I think that'll be huge. And then uh, for my relief pitcher, I want a big, large man on the mound. Who can throw nothing but gas? I want Felix Bautista. <laughs> That's the guy I had on my mind. That I want that. One, man. I Damn. want that big dude. I knew he dude, was he's going a stud, back. bro. He I, is uh, he's legit. I'm gonna meet him on Sunday at the Birdland oh. Caravan. Nice man. Shout out to Felix Bautista. I'm, I'm a fan of him, man. I'm a big fan of him. So that being said, Patrick, you're on the board. You got a relief pitcher and one infielder left to pick. Ryan Mountcastle, first base. Mountcastle, love it. All right, Cassim, same situation. You got one infielder and a clo- and a relief pitcher that you can select. One infielder, you said. You got one more in. Uh, yeah, you've got one more infielder, and you've mm-hmm. also got a relief pitcher to pick. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna say Jonathan Loazaga. Oh, Isaga, who, who, who has a lot of potential, really good stuff. He's just yes. got to put it together. Uh, so, Joey, you got to wrap it up here. You got a starter and a reliever to go, and then uh, your team will be complete. Wow. I can't believe this guy is on the board. Uh, I'm going to pick McClanahan. Shane McClanahan. Forgot everybody about the Toronto. <laughs> and then your reliever. Romano's gone, right? No, he's not. No. Oh, so I'll pick up Romano. Romano from the Blue Jays. So that finishes up Joey's team. He has Shane McClanahan. Uh, He's got Romano from the Blue Jays as his relief pitcher. He's got Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
and Wander Franco in the infield, and he's got the reigning MVP, Aaron Judge. Uh, Kasim, you got an infielder left to select. Okay. Uh, it's between the Yankees or shoot. Noah, give me Matt Chapman, man. Matt Chapman, that's not bad. But so Kasim, his team is complete. He's got the uh, Toronto Yankees, Alec Manoa, Jonathan Loizaga, Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, and Giancarlo Stanton. Yep. Patrick, you're up. You got your uh, relief pitcher to go. Garrett Whitlock. Whitlock. Wow. I, that was, you didn't even hesitate. You're like, Garrett Whitlock. Is he going to be in the rotation? That yeah. would the pick. No, look, career stats, but he's made like five starts. Right now, he's still a reliever. Touche, touche. So this what are me. they? What are they using him for this year? Anyways, I'm so confused with him. Gosh, that's a great question that we should probably talk about another time. But we have yeah. seven guys for five spots, and they will not tell us anything. <laughs> On a future episode coming up, we'll, uh, I'm sure that the Red Sox guys will address that starting rotation, especially as spring, train, spring training approaches. So we're looking forward to seeing how that rotation is going to shape out for the Red Sox. Uh, but that leaves me last pick in the draft. I'm surprised that he's here, especially when Kasim said there's no one left on the Yankees. And this guy does nothing but play the infield. I'm mm-hmm. taking DJ LeMayhew. Oh, it's fine. And that rounds out my team. I've got Garrett Cole, Felix Bautista, Ali Rushman, DJ LeMayhew, and Alex Verdugo. I was thinking of Toronto and New York. I'm like, what should I pick? So Matt Chapman came to mind. <laughs> it's true, true. So if you're listening in, um, we're going to post a Twitter poll. Uh, between our four teams that we've selected uh, and you can let us know what you think who had the best one uh, I, I'm going to go out and say that probably my team won uh, I think <laughs> mine's the best <laughs> but Joey's is a close second <laughs> um, but let's wrap it up here guys uh, do you guys have any final thoughts that you want to let the listeners know about the reason why you got Garrett Whitlock is because of we kept that bum freaking Brooks Krisky. Now he's in freaking South Korea. God knows where the hell he's playing at. <laughs> <laughs> then Alex Cora shoved it right to us. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Joey, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say how much uh, I missed Pat and how happy I am to do a show with him again. I haven't haven't done a show with him in a long time. I forgot, I forgot how uh, young and hip he really is. <laughs> He's a fine gentleman. Patrick, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to Birdland Caravan on Sunday, and uh, we're going to meet Felix Bautista, which is pretty neat. But this is also my last um, episode uh, with a girlfriend because Taylor will be meeting Dean Kramer as well on Sunday, and I believe that she will um, not leave with me. I thought you were about to oh, just announce some apologize. like big news. <laughs> Quickly dismissed. So Taylor, if you're listening, edit it out, edit it out, edit it out. Oh my word! Uh, and as for me, as always, guys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, uh, listeners, hope you guys had a great listen. Uh, if you could do us a favor, just share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. I know, I know, you've got a friend who who likes the Yankees or likes the Red Sox, even if you live in Tucson, Arizona. I know you have. I know you know someone that likes either one of these teams. Share it with them. Maybe they'll share it too. Um, and then stay tuned for Friday morning. We have a new another guest episode. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Jonna Perlinger. Uh, she'll be here. Uh, you can hear that episode on Friday morning. And I'm very excited to share her story and her experience with baseball. So. 
from us here at Bleacher Brawls, I, it's me, your boy, Barnes. I was joined by Kasim, Patrick, and the ever-lovable Joey. Thank you for listening, and peace out. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Joey Bart is ass. <laughs>